0: Hello, dear listener, and welcome to the podcast with no name. Tonight, the captain and I are going to do the ladies edition of Surgeries and Procedures. This will go hand in hand with the gentleman's version of Surgeries and Procedures, which went to air a few weeks ago, where Eddie, Sid and Graham talked about their surgeries and procedures and preventative things they've done over the years. And we just thought we'd like to put a female perspective forward. Hello, captain. How are you going? I'm good Princess. How are you? good so let's talk contraception, mm-hmm. Captain would you like to start?
1: well, it's funny you spend most of your
0: your you know early life
1: trying not to get pregnant and then when you do want to get pregnant, you spend a lot of time trying to get pregnant
0: <laughs> yes yes, that's exactly right
1: <laughs> yeah but you know I mean they wrote songs about it, didn't they you know now I've got the pill so it was particularly a life-changing and lifestyle-changing event, the introduction of the
0: contraceptive pill. Yes. Well, many family sizes shrank, didn't they, for a start? Yes. um, (laughs) Yes. I mean, I can only speak from my own experience. I was on it for a long time, even when I was quite young, to modify my periods because they were awful. Awful, awful. Mm. I used to vomit a lot with them, and it was in excruciating pain. And the pill made them on time and manageable. But the corollary of that is the pill encourages weight gain. There are lots of side effects, including blood clots, which thankfully I haven't had, but I know people who have and who have been gravely ill because of it. Again, it's all the responsibility is on you for the contraception, and the pill tricks your body into thinking you're pregnant so it affects your judgment when you're out there dating men and talking to men and I know when I yes when I went off the pill my perspective on many things changed and it was like oh my goodness this is so different is that not an age thing I've never heard of that before no, and i I was talking to some ladies in my predominantly female workplace during the week about how we were going to record this, and they agreed that when they went off the pill, their perspective on men and boyfriends and quite a few things changed once the chemicals left their system.
1: Well, it is a hormone, isn't it? So yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting.
0: Yeah, so I mean, the pill—it's got a—it's got a place, and it's been very useful. But I, I worry about it being a long-term option these days. Having known someone to get the blood clots and be seriously ill with them. Yeah,
1: well, it is—is is a side effect of long-term pill use can be breast cancer as well. You know, it—it it is one of the side effects symptoms. You know, and obviously, the more study and more research that gets done. You know, it is a factor in that.
0: I did not know that. And I'm, I will say at the outset, dear listener, that we are not medical professionals and no. me especially, and we are just speaking from our own personal experience and anecdotal stories from family and friends. I suppose, Captain, leaving the pill aside, if we're talking contraception, a permanent form of contraception would be to have your tubes tied which would I suppose be like an answer to a vasectomy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in stopping the flow of the egg down to the uterus. Yeah. But again, that's an invasive thing. That involves cutting through many layers. And even though it's keyhole these days, it's still invasive. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I know of people who have had it done, but yeah, I don't know about that one.
1: I think it's one of those things where... perhaps where for whatever reason you couldn't take the contraceptive pill or, you know, just didn't want the, like you said, responsibility of taking that pill every day, that maybe that small amount of, you know, the operation procedure of having your tubes tied could be, you know, an, an option for, yeah, you know. I know that they still offer counselling for women that want to have that done.
0: Really? I did not know that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, it's not sort of just a, uh, you know, say a young 25-year-old wanted, woman wanted to have that done. You know, there would be, depending on who you went to see, of course, yeah. which doctor, but, yeah, you know, they sort of, you know, think long and hard about that one.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I know of people whose doctors have resisted them having a hysterectomy even though they've got gynecological symptoms and they are finished having their children. It's like... They're making a decision. They've they've finished making their family. They're done. Let them move on and be healthy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Particularly with you know things like endometriosis, and you know when when it gets really bad. Yeah. You know, sometimes that would
0: be <laughs> an easier option. It's it's a logical option for people, and mm. um, yeah, and like I said, these people have they're well and truly yeah. done with having children, and they still get pushback from doctors, male mm. doctors.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think a lot of it comes into you know, there's there's so much stigma about women's menstruation anyway. You know, from you know, religious aspect, a social aspect, and it, it goes back centuries. Yes, uh, about that, and it's you know, it's still around today in in certain parts of the world and certain types of religions that women are seen as being you know unclean and sinful and for something that is a naturally occurring system of the body
0: without menstruation there's no baby so you know yeah 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 it's it's interesting the stigma is leaving and and you know if you suffer from period pain which dear listener oh my goodness i did there are better drugs around now which pain killing drugs which you know much better than just panadol Mm -hmm. which will help you but you've really got to do mind work if you have difficult periods you've really got to work on your mindset to be able to deal with it Otherwise, it just becomes this massive burden. Mm. And I mean, the biggest, the biggest lie I was told by our old male GP when I was having terrible trouble with my periods as a child was that once you have a baby, all that goes away. Great, really? great, big, fat it's, lie. It's a lie. It gets worse. Yeah. Still. It's it worse. And I it's didn't... known to get worse. Yeah. Yep, that's what I was wow. told. So, you yeah. know, once, you know, when I was having Wonder Boy and it was like, Woohoo, once I have him, woohoo. No. Nah. <laughs> yeah, no. <nah. laughs> Great big lie. <laughs> you know, if you don't get period pain, dear listener, if you're a girl, <laughs> happy days. Kudos to you. Just enjoy life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that which I suppose brings us to pregnancy, which um I mean is can be a surgery. is definitely a procedure, and and it's it's really quite the roller coaster, isn't it, emotionally and physically for you?
1: Yeah. Well, I know the boys were talking about when one of them was having a colonoscopy, and the students were there. Yes. Well, I um, had all of my appointments and had my baby at RPA, which of course is a teaching hospital. So yes. I, you know, understand the value of uh, teaching. So I didn't mind anyone coming in and having a look. I wasn't expecting the room full of people when I was having a pelvic exam, but I was just like, hey, this made them feel uncomfortable as opposed to them making me feel uncomfortable.
0: Well, I mean, I've got a story about students, but it's not to do with pregnancy. I had um, some dodgy cells on a pap smear many years ago Mm. and they had to go the next level up. For a start, they did an internal ultrasound, which again, I had a friend many years ago tell me that it's not the worst thing you could have done. She was alone at the time.
1: It's also not the best thing you could have
0: done. It's also not the best thing you can have done. And, you know, you are worrying about what might be. And, yeah. You're all set up for it in the chair as Eddie described for his vasectomy and then when you are quite vulnerable and you're not really in a position to say no, they say, oh, we've got some students today. Do you mind if they come in and watch the procedure? It's like, oh, yeah, right, whatever. Just get it done. Did you have to drink all the water? Oh, yeah, Like two litres of water? Yeah. What's that? That's torture. Yeah, yeah, so your bladder can be a window. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And then they say, you can go and let a little bit out. It's like. No, no. There's no no little bit. That pelvic floor has gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's either all or nothing, honey. (laughs) No little bits going. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. But pregnancy, Eddie said to me when, I can't remember if I was pregnant or if he and his Marianne were pregnant, and he said to me, the man is just a passenger in this. And, um, yeah, dear old Eddie was right with that.
1: And we are merely a host. I think by about week 30,
0: you're just a host. Oh, yeah. Well, I had hyperemesis gravidarum when I was pregnant Um, and I spent two and a half months in hospital chucking my my guts up. And during that time I got home on average because it wasn't two and a half months solid, it was... It added up to two and a half months, but it went over a longer period. And I got home for like on average eighteen hours before I'd be so crook again that I'd have to go back.
1: Oh my God. That's oh, really-
0: just just horrendous. The nurses would stick me down the end and just leave me with a supply of bath bags and they'd yeah. have a saline drip going into me to keep me hydrated. And thankfully I'm um, not petite and Wonderboy and I lived off my blubber. I came out of it once Wonderboy was born, 12 kilos lighter than what I was before I got pregnant because that's what we lived on. Yeah, but, well- uh, Yeah, you know, everyone says your sphincters aren't the same after you have a child, and mine are uh, exactly right, but mine are my upper sphincters um, from my stomach to up through my esophagus and everything from all the vomiting. And yeah. I've got reflux to this day as a result of it.
1: Yeah, it's it's no good. It's yeah. no good. When I was pregnant, I got all those bizarre things that happened. Like what? You know, like 10% of people might, you know, experience this. So I got the terrible, like, RSI. Oh yes. Uh, you know, where where my, my wrists actually like froze. I couldn't feel them. It's like I'd been they were like a dead arm. Oh which, my goodness. You know, isn't helpful when you were working as a hairdresser. No. But what I supposed saved me was when I was pregnant, which was in two thousand and nine, during my last trimester, that's when swine flu was going around. And of course that is you're the most susceptible. To swine flu in the last trimester of pregnancy, so oh, I was actually signed off work, and I just hung out at home because that there was swine flu in the community, and um, yeah, it was quite deadly if you got that in the trimester. So oh I wasn't interested. but then after having the baby, my arches completely collapsed. Oh, wow! So and it took it took nearly eighteen months to get them like, I don't know, the elasticity back and for everything to fall back into place. Yeah. I ended up having an epidural. Yeah. Um, for for my C-section birth. And it took like a year for just this dullness pain, sharp pain, dull, sharp pain in my back to go away. I would never yeah. thought that it actually would. You know, I thought something had happened or gone wrong. Yeah. But yeah, you
0: know, but it's all worth it, isn't it? These oh, look, it, herbs, it, you know, it is, it is. I mean, they are worth it, and you know, you come and see them now, and it's really good because you can reach much higher than I can. It has been worth it for that, if nothing else. Wonder Boy didn't want to come, so they induced me, and it just felt like period pain. And after years of period pain, it was like. Pfft. They're going, how are you feeling? It's like, it's fine, I can deal with this. And yeah. um, so they turned the notch up for the inducing fluid or whatever it was to 11 and away we went. And I started started sucking on the gas and I've got, I think it's six hours, I was in full labour and I've got six hours I have no memory of. But Mr. Safety says I was absolutely hilarious because I was as high as a kite on this gas. And whoever walked into the room, I'd say, you've got to try this stuff. It's fantastic. (laughs) Well, I had the epidural, had the gas. At this
1: stage I was probably about 28 hours in of labour and I remember grabbing the gas and sucking on it and then throwing it across the room saying, this gas does nothing. (laughs) <laughs> threw it across the room. <laughs> Give me some more drugs. And, you know, my husband was just like, just calm down. Just calm down. It's working. You'll be fine.
0: It was so bad. Look, I honestly don't know how many hours I put up with the pain that was the equivalent of the period pain. I've got no concept at the time. No. Yeah. But when I was hallucinating, when I was on the gas and hallucinating, I was believed that our cat was the only one who was going to tell me the truth and apparently I kept saying to them I need Patrick he's the only one who won't lie to me but in my head I they were giving me a series of tasks I had to do before they would give me pain relief and I would go through this series of tasks and say shazam I've done it and they go yeah but you didn't do such and such it's like oh well I'll go and do it and they go no 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 you got to start from the start so I do them all, plus the extra one, and go, shazam! I've done it. Oh, and they go, no. Like torture. But you didn't do this. So yes. I go, to this. no, no, no. You got to start from the start. That's what was going through my head. But I've got no idea of what. And apparently, I was saying to them that I wanted Patrick because he wouldn't lie. They were all lying to me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You but I, I did end right. up. I did end up starting to chant epidural apparently, and so they sobered me up to explain it. Mr. Safety said, we've been to all the classes, we've done all the stuff, just give it to her. And um, yeah. yeah, so I had the epidural and then Wonder Boy started going into distress. Mm. So after another hours, I don't know how many more hours, so he ended up being an emergency Caesar. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. And the hyperemesis, one more vomit for the road once he came out, and that was it. I just felt it lift like this pall lift off me. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like that's I said, amazing. just become a host. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank goodness this host was a flabby host because um, that's what we lived on. Mm. <laughs> no, poor old Mr Safety. oh I- I, I would vomit if I saw pictures of food. I couldn't stand the smell of food. So he used to cook in the crock pot out in the shed. <laughs> it was so bad. Yeah, it, it's it's a whole new realm, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's, yeah. And, you know, I, I just despair for people who don't have the medical care that we were fortunate enough to have. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it was so lucky. Even though you're not technically sick, you know, like most of the time when we go to hospital, there's still so many things that can happen and That's are right. happening and can go wrong. That's You right. know, not and only with, with the mother, but also sort of with, with the child and sort of postpartum as well.
0: Absolutely. And I was considered a geriatric pe- pregnancy. So, yes. you know, so that brings more risks. Yeah. And that, but anyway. We've got beautiful children as a result and happy days. Oh yes. Yes, several years. (laughs) Hey. Scars to prove it. A very neat one. I'm very impressed. It's very neat. I can't see mine, so (laughs) Oh, I made a point of looking once. I mean, um, after that, then you've got the six weeks where you can't drive. Yeah. And um, so I got taken out once a week by Mr. Safety down to the um, supermarket. That was my outing. Oh, after- lucky you. Oh, living on the edge. I, I was lucky. Once Once I got a couple of weeks down the track, I started walking and stuff and we had family members come and go, so they would drive me around.
1: I do remember putting in my shopping list when, when I was in the hospital after I had bub and, of course... It was requesting all the things that you can't eat. So yeah. it was a big wheel of of soft cheese. It was a massive <laughs> salami. It was, you know, salmon sushi, you know, all this stuff. And one time he forgot to bring it in and after I specifically requested it. And I was absolutely livid. And I kicked him out of the hospital room specifically. <laughs> I asked you. <laughs> So you know, I would love to read my nurse's notes, what they actually wrote about me. Oh. <laughs> It's like, yes, might be a candidate for some sort of something.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Oh, yeah. And those hormones, they really do drop on about, what, day three or four, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Wacko, yeah. do. I mean, the first couple yeah. of days you're sort of scooting along knowing you're half high. Yeah. And then, wacko, it hits you. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway that's enough I mean if you give birth naturally it can be almost surgical if you need an episiotomy if you need you know assistance lots of assistance any kind of assistance it's all medical these days yeah Um, again we're very fortunate that we do have the medical care that we do in this country so maternal death rate in pregnancy at childbirth is very low so yeah. thankfully yeah. yeah we're very and thankful of course for there's it
1: the, the mastitis mastitis I don't know whether you
0: ended up with with that no thank goodness yeah not pleasant no
1: no if you had the opportunity to cut them off you
0: probably would no the- biggest conspiracy I've ever come across is the conspiracy to try and convince you that it's all bliss and it's all wonderful and you should have more children yeah but that's another podcast tonight we're talking about surgeries and procedures so I won't go into that yeah well look let, let,
1: let's move on yeah and, let's um, move on so I'm not too sure whether you're aware but it's a, it's a recent thing as of July 2022. Yeah so just last year that you can actually now request a self administered
0: pap smear oh my goodness
1: yeah so obviously they've done research and realized that this can be quite an invasive procedure for some women and perhaps then because of that are quite hesitant to actually go and get their pap smear which is something that you really need to need to to do and keep on top of and of course, what you're actually looking for with your PAP smear is the HPV virus, the human papilla yes. virus. And so yeah, you can now request to have this done. Now, admittedly, you're only swiping within the first realm of your vagina. You're not actually going into All the way to the cervix. Into the cervix like the perhaps the doctor would do, but it, it is still enough that we'll detect the HPV. Wow, isn't that good? So, yeah. So, if you have any other concerns, you need to go and have a sort of administered. Yeah, yeah. But certainly, you know, that is the main cause of cervical cancer. And so, to be able to pick up on this. But of course, hopefully, if, you know, the, the next generation of both. You know, men and women. Have their um, vaccinations. Have their vaccinations. Of course, the Gardasil 9, which was partially invented here in Australia and then was uh, continued and uh, rolled out in, in America.
0: You know, hopefully that won't be a thing anymore. Well, that's right. That's right. I mean, it's just, you know, the old grey mares like me who will have to keep having pap smears. I Frankly, I've never been a fan of the speculum going in. You know, oh, whatever. Yeah, because for some reason they always manage to get it to pinch. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, honestly, it's only a couple of minutes, isn't it, if that? Yeah. Look, if you've uh,
1: ever had your eyebrows waxed, your legs waxed, your whatever's waxed, that hurts more, doesn't
0: it? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't hurt that much. Yeah, exactly. The pap smear itself is just a little bit of uncomfortableness for a couple of minutes. (laughs) But as I said, when I had some dodgy cells... They did the internal ultrasound. That was some fun. Then they decided they had to take the cells and do a biopsy on them. And Mm. then it was back in the chair, legs up in the stirrups. So, you know, feeling for you, Eddie, but, you know, go there more regularly than you ever will. And then they sprayed, they likened it to vinegar. I'm not exactly sure what it was, but it was like neat vinegar on my cervix and Mm -hmm. told me it wouldn't hurt. Mm-hmm. So you imagine putting lemon juice into a cut and you know, see how that feels. Then they got this thing like a lemon baller and scooped out what they needed. Again, mm-hmm. trying to tell me that you don't need um anesthetic for that because, you know, no nerve cells. It's like, yeah, no, no, mm-hmm. nerve cells yeah. hurty hurty. No. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all this stuff they do to women, they say it's not gonna hurt. it's not hurting them. It'll hurt us. Yeah, yeah. But it's still worth having done because prevention, prevention, dear listener, it's all about prevention. Absolutely. Um, Another thing that ladies go through, which men will never go through, is a DNC, a dilation and curettage. Yeah. Have you had one of those? I haven't had one of those, but I certainly know what they are know what they are and know what's involved. I've had two. Um, I had one post miscarriage before Wonder Boy was born. And, yeah, you're not at your highest mark. And, of course, you you know that they're going to go in and give everything a a clean and a spit polish. And on that occasion the most gorgeous specimen of a man that I have ever seen (laughs) comes up to me as we're about to go into the operating theatre and he's the anaesthetist. And it's like, oh, my God, you are perfection. <laughs> and I look and feel like shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, but anyway, look, thankfully they're done under a general, so it's not too bad. It's just yeah, you just have a couple of little cramps at the end of it and it's all right. Some people don't even get that. Yeah, and, yeah. And then I had one last year, another yeah, D&C, which stands for Dilation and curettage, which is yeah. they go into your uterus and give it a good old clean out because I had had a postmenopausal menopausal ble- bleed. Um, really? I've tipped over into that. And if you have a bleed once you have been, once you are fully into menopause and you have a bleed, it is something that must get investigated, dear listener. Yes. If yes. you or your loved ones have a bleed once they are hit menopause, you must get it checked. Ninety nine times out of hundred, it'll be fine. But there is just you need to get it checked, and yeah. that's what I did. And the gynie, just for abundance of caution, did a and C as well as checking everything else out on me.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. So and that and I mean it was all right. It was just waiting around all day to go in for your fifteen minutes of glory under general anaesthetic. Yeah. But the biggest issue was that was the general really knocked me around and yeah had the vomits and can things be the at the case end of it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So again, invasive. Again, involved involving a general anaesthetic, which is not ideal, people. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and again, something else that boys don't have to worry about. That's right. Yeah.
1: So now that we've dealt with downstairs,
0: let's do upstairs. Let's move
1: upstairs, and uh, our boobs.
0: Yeah, boob pictures. My
1: boobs hit me.
0: Do they? Oh. Bloody E size cups. Oh, darling, that's nothing. I mean, I know I'm talking to you, princess. But... Oh, look, without giving too much away, dear listener, I am f- much further down the alphabet than an E. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, who would
0: want big boobs? Seriously? Oh, I know. Who I mean, was? why would
1: anybody?
0: I mean, oh, I you mean, okay, wear a shirt, I can understand. You can't wear a dress. You can't fucking run. My skeleton is deformed because of my boobs. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous. But anyway, yeah, the old mammogram. Oh, my goodness. Not not a pleasant experience, is it? Well, I haven't had a mammogram yet.
1: I will get one for my birthday next year. Happy days. Um, I know. But, um, uh, you know, it's the same sort of thing. Yeah, they hurt. But how much really? A lot. You know? <laughs> yeah, but it's... Preventative. you it's know, preventative. It's preventative. You've it's got to not, do it. It's not as in, invasive as the downstairs stuff you no. have to do. No. And, and yeah, it's not
0: pleasant. Yeah.
1: But yeah. I, I tell you what also is not pleasant, chemo.
0: Yeah, exactly, Captain. I would much rather have a mammogram than the alternative. And so whilst I whinge about it, the fact that it hurts and I don't know how the smaller chested ladies out there deal with it because at least I can flop mine out and get them onto the slab and, you know, yeah. there's it, it, there's that ability to do that. It's the one yes. time they're actually quite useful. Yes. Um capture them from every side. Absolutely, and they do. Though it is a bit disconcerting when they spread it out across the slab like pizza dough. <laughs> and that, but, again, what's the alternative? I would much rather have a mammogram. And yeah. also, dear listener, if you are a female and you have a denser kind of breast and breast tissue, make a point of getting an ultrasound every so often because mammograms can only pick up so much when they're very dense tissues. So ultrasound will penetrate more and give you different pictures. It's um, just an extra little bit of protection.
1: Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. Again, it's just something else that you've just got to look out for, and thankfully the breast screen service is so good. Yeah,
1: there's one in my local shopping centre at the moment. Yeah. It turns out
0: Yes, well, I've heard, I was talking to a friend on Monday and she and her friend went and had their photos taken at Breast Screen, which were doing a mobile visit to a local shopping centre and they had the bus or the truck or whatever it is parked on a grassy verge and, you know, every hour or so a couple of cars would come and a couple of other cars would go as people arrived and left for Breast Screen and... The breast screen people told my friend that they won't be back because the managers of of the daycare centre at that shopping centre have whinged about the cars in the car park, Mm. breast screen, and it's like, oh, my goodness, there were no many more cars there than there would have been for a couple of people dropping in for a cup of coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And they're there for an hour and then they leave and two more cars would come. I mean, what's the big deal? I know. I know. So, anyway, my friend and her friend are getting on to local members and the McGrath Foundation and all sorts of people about it say this is an essential service. Someone was
1: complaining about about this, this, I suppose it's like a van, a trailer. Yeah. Because it was blocking one of the streets and it was most inconvenient.
0: And I was just like, whatever. Yeah, exactly. People are going to live because of this. Let's just move on. Yeah. Let's just move on. So don't know what else have we got that's female specific there captain
1: no i mean there's you know there's lots of downstairs business
0: isn't there oh there is a lot of downstairs you've really got to know what's going on down there but i
1: think i think something also that's really important and it isn't you know particularly gendered is our skin yes i think we all really need to be very aware of changes and certainly if you you know if you have a, a partner that can look at the back, your back, and see changes and around the neck and, you know, different things. I know that for many years working as a hairdresser I got to see bits and pieces behind people's ears and heads and necks that perhaps they didn't even know about and getting that annual skin check because I know that I have had to get like all the little bits and pieces burnt off me. So once a year I go and... I get about, ooh, I think the last count was 19 of them burnt oh off. Oh, my goodness. It looks like I've been putting cigarettes out of my skin. Yes. You know, which is not a great look. But once again, what's the alternative? What's you know? the alternative? Ab- absolutely. absolutely. It's a little bit itchy. But they they because my skin is so sort of mottled and frickly and horrible anyway, it doesn't actually scar. Like the exactly. scar- scars blend, blend away sort of thing. So mm. it's not like it's a... It's a big thing. Someone with very fine olive skin—well, it's much olive skin—but it may be more obvious. But of course, you know, if we're of a generation, we all grew up where we were using, you know, coconut oil. Yes, and, and you know, wasting ourselves in the sun. And every every break you get at school, you hitch the skirt up and you yeah. got your legs out in the sun. Yeah. So and- that's where the damage is already done. Mm. By the time you get to you know our age, and I certainly know my um, husband has had several plastic surgeries on his face due to both squamous cell carcinoma and basal cell carcinoma. So yes. that's really important to get those those checked.
0: Yes, you you really do. And again, just wear that sunblock, people. Wear it. Mm-hmm. Um, another one I was going to in the in the general body checks that we need to do because I think Eddie has more than covered colonoscopies and bowel cancer and we just endorse everything Eddie says about that is getting your eye pressures tested once you hit 40 you should be going in every two years and getting your eyes tested if only for the eye pressure test because They're testing for raised pressure within your eyeball and that is a sign of glaucoma. And if the pressure goes too high, it will damage your optic nerve and that is irreversible. Mm. So you need to get those eye pressures tested. Um, Glaucoma is a silent disease and it can be quite advanced before it becomes symptomatic and it is irreversible once the damage is done. So get mm-hmm. in there and get those eye pressures tested every two years. It's mm-hmm. again, it's another little unpleasantness. It's a little puff of air on your Yeah, it's eyeball. not great, is it? I no, had that it's not done great for the first time, like
1: I think last year. I didn't enjoy that at all. Would mm-hmm. rather well, have perhaps near than that, actually.
0: Yeah, I'm very sensitive to it. I go to an ophthalmologist and I get numbing drops put on my eyes which numb my eyes Ooh. for about five minutes and then yeah. they can put a little device on my eye and it gives a more accurate reason um you know oh, it's like good.
1: um i actually pub- got quite anxious while it was having done i got anxiety because i really didn't like it
0: Wait until you do a vision field test. Yeah.
1: Um Is that is that the one where you follow the things around? Yeah, and, you
0: can't look yeah. at it. You've got yeah. to use your peripheral vision and you've got to click whenever you see the do-do. Yeah, I had that done. Hopeless. Failed. Terrible. Just got to concentrate. Yeah. And then you worry that you can't, you're not doing it and then you worry that you're anticipating it and da 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 yeah. of course, terrible. Of course, dear listener, I actually have glaucoma. So it's been caught very early, so I've got minimal damage. But... It is something that I have to be very aware of. And I I go to my ophthalmologist every six months and get my eyes tested this way and um, I get the vision field test. I have to do that at least once a year. Yeah, well. Yeah, so um, happy days. But, again, we're making sure there's no more damage. Where, you know, I'm pretty lucky. That's another big one. I mean, I'm sure there's many other things that people have come across in their lives and you yourself, dear listener, may be one of those people where you go, yes, people need to be aware of this medical test to prevent something else nastier happening. We just wanted to touch on a few things ourselves and endorse what the boys say about prevention. It's just so important. We want to be there for your friends and family. You want to live to a ripe old age, and prevention's the way to do it. Fabulous. So I'm
1: going. I'm now going to answer Sid's question from the uh, the male podcast. Oh, that- please that- do, Captain. That did a couple of weeks ago. So Sid's question was: Where does the fluid go after you've had your vasectomy? Where does the fluid go? So where of course- does it go, Captain? Well, I think we all have a basic understanding of a little bit of the, the anatomy that goes on down there and where things are and what's hanging yes. and what's grabbed on to this and what's going up and what's going down. I think so. When So when you actually have a vasectomy, they are actually cutting the tubes, the vas deferens that come up from the testes to the vestibules, which is where the semen is made. So right. semen isn't actually in your testes. So the fluid that Sid was asking about isn't actually in your testes. It's only the it sperm. Made, yeah, it is made in the seminal vesicles. Right. And so, so when it's all happening, it's all happening and there's lots of turbulence, the sperm come out up through the vas deferens into the seminal uh, vesicles, which is where they get the fluid, which is the semen, And then, of course, then you ejaculate. Right. So when you're actually having a vasectomy, the fluid can still happen. The part of your erection doesn't actually stop that happening. It's just that there's no sperm coming actually up from the testicles.
0: Right. There we go, Sid. I mean, I had a basic understanding of where that happened, but I was not aware that the sperm and the fluid were in different locations. So thank you very much, Captain.
1: That's right. Well, they they often say that uh, you know it's humans' um, greatest failings by having uh, external genitalia, but they've figured out that maybe sort of that the reason that the human race has sperm or testicles external. on the outside, yeah, is that a normal body temperature is thirty seven degrees, but sperm prefer slightly cooler environment of 35 degrees. So, of course, if they were internal, they'd be too hot. They'd be too hot, yeah. And so there was actually a public warning in the 70s about men wearing tight synthetic pants because it kept them too hot and there was low sperm production.
0: So of yeah. course what
1: happens to all the sperm that's left there if it's not getting out because the body is still producing sperm. Oh ah, yes. This is this yeah. is the next so, part of the question. So you know, where where does that all go? Well of course a cell only has a certain period of, of a lifetime and so it will eventually die and new ones will be replaced. And so it just it's the circle of life, you know, in the small little testicle and it just keeps going.
0: Well, I mean, it's like what happens to females' eggs when their tubes are tied. The eggs still pop out of the ovary. They just get reabsorbed into the body as the cell dies. Yeah, yeah,
1: Yes. So there you go, dear listener. So where does the fluid go? With hopefully answer that in a way
0: that you can understand. Yes. Thank you very much for that, Captain. There's nothing like a biology lesson <laughs> on, a, <laughs> on a Friday evening. <laughs> Dear listener, whilst we've talked about personal experiences and childbirth and all sorts of girly stuff and we've talked about other surgeries and procedures we've had, we've done so with the aim of trying to demystify and destigmatize prevention. Some of the preventions that are around for the human body at this time are are invasive some considered to be embarrassing and some are definitely uncomfortable but what's the alternative dear listener want to live a long life you want to be there with your family and friends so go and have the tests done go and do the preventative screens and live a long and healthy life and if one of you goes off and has a mammogram or a pap smear on the strength of what we've said tonight that is wonderful do it do it for your family do it for your friends do it for yourself thank you for listening dear listener and we will be back with another episode of the podcast with no name at some time in the near future. Until then, take care.
1: This episode marks the halfway point of our third season. We're going to be taking a short hiatus and we'll be back before you know it. If you'd like to contact the podcast with no name, you can get us via email at podnoname at gmail.com. You can also go to our Facebook page at podnoname. If you'd like to contact us via Patreon and donate some money to keep us going, you can get us at patreon.com slash podnoname. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and we'll see you after our hiatus. You know, when you turn 50, the government sends you so you can poo
0: on a stick. Yeah, pooing on a stick, very important. (laughs) He and I used to have great big discussions. I really couldn't be bothered now. I'd get good.